This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Could the way Ohio State and Michigan have each handled the postponement of the Big Ten football season tell us a lot more about why the Buckeyes have dominated the rivalry the last 15 years? We'll get into that next on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Here's Clark. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. Get it. Touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kolodar at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On its way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schimbeck. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. win the championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. We'll get into the 10-minute war with Ohio State fan and the voice of college football, Mark Rogers, coming up here in just a little bit. But I want to begin with what we teased. I I could not help but notice a couple of things. Since the Big Ten has made the announcement that it was going to postpone the fall football season. And let let me state this up front. I mean, Michigan had a lot of its parents involved in the hashtag let them play. They put out their own parental letter wanting their parents or wanting their children to play, including a lot of high profile players on the Michigan football program. Their families were represented. Uh, Michigan, former Michigan All-American Chris Hutchinson, who had a lot of success against Ohio State back in the day and, and won multiple Big Ten championships uh, back in uh, the, the Gary Moeller era. Uh, he's now an ER doctor at Henry Ford Hospital in the Detroit area. He fought COVID-19 on the front lines. He was very, very critical of uh, the Big Ten's decision. His son, Aiden Hutchinson now, one of the best players in the Michigan football program, a future pro as well. Uh, Jim Harbaugh put out a fantastic letter 
uh, giving lots of very specific data points about how Michigan has been successful with the protocols in keeping the players safe. And I think we all know whether you think Jimmy's a great coach or not. I mean, he'd play he'd play football in the street in five minutes if he had that option. Okay, so Michigan wants to play, and the Michigan culture let that be known while that battle was raging. But I think what's been fascinating to watch, and maybe it's nothing. It, it might not be anything. But it's hard not to notice it, nevertheless. What has been fascinating to watch is how Ohio State and Michigan have approached, really, the realization of where the Big Ten is at since the Big Ten has made that clear. And a couple of things have stood out to me. Here's the first one. You know, at Michigan, we've got players declaring early for the NFL draft. Jalen Mayfield, Ambry Thomas. Oh, what? We're not going to play? All right, 5,000 G, we're out. Ohio State's got likely first-round draft picks. Justin Fields might be the number one draft pick. I mean, he's on Good Morning America, you know, pounding the fist, let us play. You got Sean Wade, who came back, could have been drafted high last year. He's likely a first-round pick this year. You his old man traveling all the way up here from Florida, marching on Big Ten offices. Hey, my kid wants to go out there and play. Hard not to notice that. It's, it's fascinating. Both Sean Way and Justin Fields are considered higher-rated prospects than either Jalen Mayfield or Ambry Thomas. And yet, those guys, the minute it was firm that the Big Ten seems firm, isn't going to move. They poured one out. I mean, and the Buckeye guys are still sitting here all the way to the end. They're going kicking and screaming. Hmm. I mean, Ambry Thomas needs more film. That's why he came back this year. Jalen Mayfield was being projected as a first-round pick this year after just one year at Michigan, but that was under the assumption he would then take the next step this year with 12 more games of of tape. Now he's just going off of last year's tape when he was probably our fourth-best offensive lineman. They couldn't get out of here quick enough. Sean Wade and Justin Fields, man, they are fighting to the last man to play college football. How about this one? Couldn't help but notice this either. Ohio State's players put out a statement countering, do you remember this? Put out a statement countering the Pac-12 and Big Ten player grievances, saying they don't believe they're being exploited, felt that their safety was being taken seriously in Columbus. Hmm. It's just, listen, I think the the idea that Harbaugh has come up with, if we're not going to have a season, then let's do an NFL type of scouting combine, invite a bunch of NFL scouts in here at the end of October and give the players something to shoot for. I think that's a great idea. Brilliant, probably. But I, I, I think it's fascinating to note that while Ohio State is still out there with its administration and everything else, exhausting every avenue, turning over every rock, every doing whatever they can to play college football as soon as they possibly can, Michigan's response is, well, I guess we lost this one. Let's get ready for the draft. It just seems to me, and I, and I, I could be wrong. I'm looking at this from afar, okay? But it seems to me that for all of the stereotypes we Michigan fans have of Ohio State, and some of them may be true, I don't know. I'll tell you this. Our Brandon Brown at Wolverine Digest, who covers recruiting for us and has covered it for years for Rivals.com before joining us here at Sports Illustrated, I mean, I asked him point blank, is Ohio State a cheater? And he said, man, when names came up of guy of teams who were going to pay school or schools that were going to pay guys, Ohio State's name never came up. I mean, the, the kinds of schools down south you would think came up did, but Ohio State's never did. So maybe they cheat, maybe they don't. I don't know. But 
one thing we can see is is for all of the notions we have of them as some kind of football factory that doesn't care about players and that they're just here to win football games mercilessly, soullessly, somehow they have built an actual esprit de corps, rah-rah, we're all in this together, the team, the team, the team, culture at Ohio State. And I wonder if we still have yet to rebuild that. You know, we had that for so many years at Michigan. And then we went through the lost decade. And and I think, you know, Jimmy's done a fantastic job rebuilding our program. But this seems to be a missing link. I mean, last year at this time, we were talking about whether Donovan Peoples-Jones and some other guys were going to, who was the defensive tackle, who's now at Rutgers. These were, guy, uh, these were guys talking about um, Michael Dwomfor. That's right. Um, you know, maybe we should sit out. We're banged up. We don't want to hurt NFL draft stock. Really? I mean... I mean, Donna Peoples-Jones was a fifth-round draft pick. Michael Dwomfor got had to transfer to Rutgers. Ohio State's got guys who put off paydays, and they can't wait to play college football again. I, You know, Ohio State, as I've documented on this show, historically has always been the more talented program. I wonder if the reason they're dominating us now, it's not just talent, but culture. That they truly care about college football as a sport more than we do. It's kind of part of who we are. It is who they are. And if we're going to let them build a superior culture with superior talent, well, that's how you lose 15 years in a row and maybe you lose 15 years more until you change one of those two things. Mark Rogers will join us next. Want to thank all of you who have been supporting us on Patreon these last few years here on Michigan Podcast. And for those of you that ask us every now and then, hey, what can we do to help uh, support what you guys are doing and help it to grow? Well, supporting us on Patreon is a big way you can do that. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And as you can see, when you become a $5 a month uh, subscriber and supporter or more, you get uh, as well exclusive content that we publish just for you on our Patreon page, including a lot of the stuff that I do with sports handicapping as legalization goes wider throughout the country. In fact, you can see uh, I put up just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the notes uh, for NFL win totals, looking at the schedule release. So a lot more where that came from. If you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Back with the 10 minute war where we sit down and attempt to have a reasonable conversation with maybe the only reasonable Ohio State fan that I could find, our good friend Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, who himself has a fantastic YouTube page. How are you, Mark? I'm doing just fine, and certainly if there's anything we need in this um, situation regarding whether it be Big Ten football or national situations is reason. We, we, we fall far short of it out there. Yes, and reasons, right? So since you and I last talked, Kevin Warren issued a clarification, which is literally nothing other than he went to like the world or Johns Hopkins website and like cut and paste the latest pandemic data. And put it in a statement that that's literally what, he, what, what what they did. I mean, there's no specifics whatsoever. Since this went down, you and I talked about this last time. We've already had the saliva testing, right, from the NBA Players Association and the University of Illinois. 
here in our league has developed its own protocol where that's concerned. But now we are seeing studies come out that are contradicting the the JAMA study on myocarditis. That was apparently the final nail in the, the coffin from the Big Ten president's perspective. Um, we're seeing uh, case numbers have gone down in America now five weeks in a row. Uh, we have the lowest as of today, the fewest hospitalizations with COVID symptoms in America since March 21st. Los Angeles County, which was one of the biggest surges in new cases here with the recent uh, summertime spike in the Sunbelt states and then California, they had their lowest hospitalizations since April 3rd. Um, we have the uh, 1.9% of ER visits in America are for COVID symptoms, which means um, 98.1% of people are going to the ER for something other than COVID. I mean, the numbers are really looking good. I mean, the Sunbelt wave has completely uh, collapsed and crashed. They're even going to play high school football in New Jersey next month now, Mark. That's the uh, the most densely populated state in the country. Still number two for deaths in coronavirus with how hard hit they were. Yeah, they're going to play high school football there. Uh, the pressure remains on. We did have the parents show up last Friday. They put forth now another letter today. They've lawyered up. Tom Mars is involved with a FOIA request. At the very least, Mark, I think the odds that we're going to come out of the first of the year and see football in January in the Big Ten have increased substantially with the amount of pressure that's being applied. But what do you think? Well, when you put the case out there in regards to why the decision was so bad, the one word that comes to mind, and this came not just from people that were hell-bent on playing football, this came from other people that were taking the pandemic extremely seriously and saying, you know, the health of the players should be first and foremost. The one word that comes to mind through this entire process that Kevin Warren and the Big Ten did not do was wait if there was a situation in which time was on your side and could be taken to your advantage to a certain extent, of course, it was to wait and use that time to understand the landscape, get, gather more information, see how it plays out, watch the barometer of the other conferences for as much as you want to be autonomous. And of course, they all five are technically, from a PR standpoint, they needed to be uh, talking about the Big Ten uh on the pulse of the other three and seeing where this was headed in regards to the approach of the other three. And they just failed miserably in regards to all of that. So the pressure is being put on heavily. So I would agree that uh, while we were sitting here a week ago and many of those moves had started to come to fruition in regards to the, the, the parents forming, the players forming, uh, the, the letters and the communications, that it just they are relentless right now and they're becoming um more of a force from a legal standpoint and not just a not just a, a clanging symbol of sorts of just being loud and obnoxious and in your face they are taking measured measurements measured uh, steps to getting something done here and it's going to be fascinating to see now that Kevin Warren has doubled down to say, no, we're not playing football. We've made our decision. And he released his his second statement when he was, of course, in Minneapolis while the throng was in Chicago awaiting him. I didn't understand um, their, their tact there, but uh, that's about the only misstep maybe that they've made uh, is that, uh, yes, uh, the, the, the heat is on, the pressure is on. And we'll see uh, if a conference that is full of presidents that obviously – 
with all the data and with all the analysis uh, that pointed in the other direction to at least wait, if not um, chart the course toward playing football, um, that, that it looks like that they might, um, I don't know, if they can hold on to this position any longer. If they are, then they really uh, had determined a long, long time ago to not play football. We talked over at Wolverine Digest, that's the website I own uh, that covers Michigan for Sports Illustrated. We talked to several people in the Big Ten and in the administration at Michigan for a story we ran yesterday. And what we found in the people we talked to is that they don't believe that if the vote was held right now that they there would have been a vote to cancel. The vote right now would have been, uh, there would have been some presidents that voted to cancel, but the league would have voted as a majority to align itself with the timetable of the SEC and push it to the end of September as a start date. Uh, that the athletic directors were actually 14 to 0 to play football this fall. And the uh, it was the uh, university presidents that ended up overruling them. Uh, also that, um, uh, that, the pressure on doing this in January, they are feeling it and it's growing. And a lot of the athletic directors are facing that pressure from within uh, their own donor networks now as we grow closer to the season and seeing the other three leagues going forward. And if the Big Ten thought all along the ACC was going to be its trump card, there's a lot of elite level public universities in the ACC like North Carolina, Virginia, for example. You have Notre Dame in, in Miami, which are private schools, but those are considered two elite private schools. Notre Dame is one of the top 15 universities in the country. And so there was the assumption by the Big Ten presidents that a lot of, of, of like-minded academics in the ACC were going to come forward and say, you're right, it's too dangerous to play football, and that they would align with the Big Ten and essentially corner the SEC into saying, hey, rednecks, that's you know that's the way the Big Ten presidents think. You rednecks down there you can't risk these kids' lives playing football. Shut her down. And so when the ACC was like, well, we're actually going to do research and see if we can play, and we're going to get we're going to go get you know uh, Duke, Wake Forest. Those are some pretty good med schools. We're going to you know put them in charge of this and see what they come up with. They were shocked. It, the, the Big Ten was that the ACC decided to see if it was possible to play rather than just joining the Big Ten and shutting it down right at the forefront. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that uh, the Big Ten certainly was in a situation in which they thought um, there, there's just too much information. In this day and age, there's too much information out there that even if the, the general public isn't privy or smart enough to put it together initially, there's just too, in, too much information that you, you gain a level of groupthink in a good way on the other side, meaning enough data analysis, enough reasonable thought that circulates becomes common knowledge that can refute the decision that's made. So it's difficult to pull the wool over the public's eyes in this day and age of information share. And what happened was the Big Ten thought that it could get away with the over-encompassing statement or commitment to the health of the student athlete and that anything, any reasoning that they gave, even if it didn't make sense on a calendar, if it didn't make sense in regards to long-term effects, all the things that we've talked about made absolutely no sense that the, the sheer statement of looking out for the student athlete's best interests would be taken as is and would be good enough for them. Um, yeah, I just think that uh, they, they obviously didn't have as good a communication or collaboration with the other conferences 
if they or even with themselves. I mean, the Omaha World Herald talked to the AD at Nebraska, Bill Moose, and he said that really Kevin Warren went in there solo. He didn't align the ADs on his side. Kind of just is you know rookie voyage. I'm the know it all. I kind of know everything. I'm just going to do this on my own and 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 went in there with no allies at all and got rolled by the presidents. That's what Bill Moose at Nebraska said. So let's do this. Let's switch gears because. I talked about this at the top of the show this week. I can't help but notice the the cultural differences in how Michigan and Ohio State are responding to the coronavirus. And, and let me say this. I mean, Jim Harbaugh put out a phenomenal statement with all kinds of specifics of Michigan's testing protocols, data points, et cetera. He, when, when the whole let them play hashtag was trending worldwide on Twitter, I mean, he was at the forefront of that. Okay. I think all, whether you like Jim Harbaugh or not, whether you think he's a great football coach or you don't, um, I think his love of the game is without doubt. I mean, he, he, would, he would go play in a street. If they let if they let him do that, right? So it's not this really isn't about him. But I I, I did find these things interesting, and, and I'm going to reset these, Mark, and get your take on them. Okay, I mean at Michigan we've got players like Jalen, uh, we've got uh, Jalen Mainfield, uh, Ambry Thomas declaring early for the NBA or the NFL draft. Ohio State has a likely first round draft pick in Justin Fields. Uh, well, likely number one overall draft pick. Another likely first-round draft pick in Sean Wade. I mean, they're still fighting to play college football, and our guys were like, you know, a couple days after, well, okay, guess I'm going to the draft. That's one thing that kind of stood out to me. Here, here's a here's another thing that, that stood out to me when I compare the cultures of these two teams as well, that Ohio State's players put out a statement countering the Pac-12 and the Big Ten player grievances saying they don't believe they're being exploited, felt their safety was taken seriously in Columbus. And I just, I look at this because from the Michigan side of things, and some of it is the academic arrogance of Michigan. It's perennially rated among the top public universities in the world. Um, And Ohio State, to be fair, has tremendously improved its academic standing in recent years. It's now considered a, a top 40 university in the country. That wasn't the case 10, 15, 20 years ago. But some of this is Michigan's intellectual arrogance that Ohio State's a football factory and we are not, right? But for for you know for this notion that Ohio State that we have on the Michigan side that you know that, that you know players are just chattel there they don't care about the whole person you're just there to major in football the whole Cardale Jones line I mean they didn't recruit me to play school remember when he said that right? Yet what is fascinating and maybe this wasn't true under John Cooper. It's certainly true under Urban Meyer and now Ryan Day that for all of the the, the four and five star recruits that Ohio State gets, and Michigan gets its share, but not as many as Ohio State, but for all of those elite recruits Ohio State has, for all the NFL draft prospects it produces each and every year, there does seem to be more of a college, traditional college football culture at Ohio State than Michigan. I mean, Michigan had guys last year talking about Donovan Peoples-Jones, for example, calling up, you know, uh, OBJ, maybe I shouldn't play and sit out the season, don't want to hurt my draft stock, you know. And, I mean, I I love the idea that Jim Harbaugh has of putting together an NFL scouting combine for scouts at the end of October to give his players something to shoot for. I love that idea. 
but it still kind of is fascinating that Ohio State's out there from the AD on down. Hey, man, we're doing everything we can right now to play as soon as we can. And Michigan's like, dude, we shot our wad, sucked we're not playing, but let's get ready for the draft. I don't know. Am I, maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion. I'm just looking for something after 15 years of ass whoopings. But it does kind of seem like the secret sauce here for Ohio State, because I went back and studied this, Mark. Y'all have always had more talent than us. That's, that's never not been the case. You're in the number one talent hotbed in our demographic, number one. But I think that there's just a college football esprit de corps culture there. That for whatever reason we didn't we lost when Lloyd Carr stepped aside, and for all the success Jim has had, it's still more of an NFL style program than a college program. You know what I'm trying to say a little bit? Absolutely, I'm right there with you. And for the record, people don't like this when I state this on my channel. In other terms, I like Jim Harbaugh. I admire Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to fall short of saying he's a great football coach because I think that word's thrown around too much. But he's a very good football coach that has built programs across the board wherever he's been, just check the record. So, And I love the the only week that I ever hated, hated Jim Harbaugh was, of course, when he made the guarantee in 86, and then he pulled through in Columbus. But other than that, I admire Jim Harbaugh, and I think he's a perfect fit for the program, yet to get it done, yes. But culture difference, Steve, this is what makes rivalries great. The on-the-field competition, which we haven't had for 15 years, but we still have elite programs. Um, but off the field, it's the cultural similarities or the cultural differences that make a rivalry great. And say what you will about Ohio State dominating on the field and pretty much being either better or even with Michigan since Woody Hayes took over in 1951, Ohio State has always had the mentality that it's playing catch up to Michigan. It lost the first 13 games of the series, uh, academically inferior, although it's taken the strides that you just mentioned. From a cultural standpoint, and I lived this out in regards to my transition of living in a silo, in a bubble, in a vacuum, uh, echo chamber of Ohio State fans while I was growing up. And then once I got into the world, got to college, went to work for the first time and started running into more Michigan fans, I started to see that the rivalry didn't mean as much to them. There was Notre Dame, there was Michigan State, and yeah, Ohio State was probably the biggest rivalry, but it was one of three. Whereas tunnel, focus, vision, laser focus on Ohio State, at Ohio State is Michigan. And when you talk culture, that's just, man, it's an elusive term, but it's so important. Uh, to, to what you can do and accomplish in any walk of life involving multiple people. You need to build a culture. And for some way, um, you know, I give Jim Trestle a lot of credit because he had the great guarantee when he stepped on campus, you know, in 325 days, we're going to be proud of our, our student athletes in Ann Arbor. And he always stated that he would take the player with, that was that less talented but probably grew up in Ohio although they've been found, Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins and others, uh, Sean Wade, and look at the passion of his family and his father to play football mm -hmm. from Florida. Uh, but somehow that culture's been built, and it's been, um, I, I don't know, it's the passion, the people, the ability to communicate a vision, a mission that is just relentless there. And, of course, the clock with the days and the time of the next Michigan game is still in the Ohio State facility, they could beat Michigan 100 years in a row, and it's still this mentality that 
that they're the target. And man, we're still, man, I don't want to use a Mike Hart phrase at all, but still they're, they're the aim and the goal, regardless of how good we are on the field. Well, if you're going to have the more talented program and Ohio state historically has been, but now you're going to give them the cultural advantage and ship on their shoulder as well. That's how you lose 15 years in a row to them uh, in a, in a rivalry game is you've handed them now better personnel, but also they've got more of a raw, raw college football culture at the same time. Great stuff as always, Mark. Good to see you, brother. Thanks for joining us this week. Thank you so much, Steve. This week's Twitter poll results. Would you rather the Big Ten? What would you rather the Big Ten do with football? Punt to the fall of 2021? Play this winter or play in the spring? 55.6% of you, a clear majority, want to see the Big Ten play right after the first of the year. And by the way, who's pushing for that publicly? Go back and what I've been talking about this whole episode. That's Ohio State's plan. That's Ryan Day's plan. They're the ones pushing for that. You've heard not a peep out of Michigan. So... There you go. And then about a third of you are like, hey, we apparently just hate our lives and want the Big Ten to punt till next fall so we can look even dumber. Props to you. Uh, This week's question of the week. Michael says, Steve, will you personally want to watch Michigan football in January or the spring? I will personally want to watch Michigan football whenever. It's one of the loves of my life is Michigan football. I I mean, I'll watch it anytime, anywhere, any day, except against Ohio State, because I'm I'm done with the beatings. All right. But other than that, I mean, other than that one exception, all the other games, doesn't matter when we play them, I am all in. So, yes, resoundingly is my answer. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at WolverineDigest.com. Follow us on Twitter at WolverineDigest.com digest and also at michigan podcast that's where i keep you up to date on my thoughts each and every day at michigan podcast and what else oh yeah like rate subscribe whether it's youtube itunes uh, stitcher google play however you access this show please keep those likes rates subscribe shares coming they help us to find more michigan fans just like you have a great week until the next time here on michigan podcast go blue